Before we start, Mr. Warren. I've never told anyone my last name. <laughs> Before we start, Ryan. <laughs> What's up, buddy? If there's any fucking numbers or numerology in this goddamn episode, I will quit. Uh, No, I think it's just uh, there is a lot of dates, but that's about it. I'm still solving the Winchester mystery. I honestly think I'm going to do a follow up. I'm getting that fortune. And I think I want to do a follow-up and actually go through everything in the house. It's going to be weird, but... How about we just go to the house? That costs a lot of money. we got to fly to California and all that shit, and I can't take that much time off work and... Shit. Whatever. Good morning. Good evening. Mazel tov. Hello, everyone. Konnichiwa. We are the Torn Page. Welcome. I am a star man. Welcome, welcome. I am standing for this episode. Yeah, we moved rooms in my house. We were originally in this little tiny office, and my kid had this big-ass bedroom that she'd never used, and we asked her if we could switch, and she was just cool with it. We had to get the approval of a three-year-old? Four-year-old. Four-year-old. We got the approval of a four-year-old. Yeah. If we could switch the rooms. Those fucking contracts were (laughs) legit. But uh, we're in a bigger room. Um, I have less space now and Joseph has more space. I'm over here. He is literally on the other side of the room. I think I like it a lot. He can stand or he can sit. Uh, I am at the station with the computer. Or I could just, I could just fucking lay down. Your mic wouldn't pick you up. So don't. I could just lay down. (laughs) But yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of cool. This room's a lot cooler also. It's the coldest room in the house. Mm, so it. with uh, my computer and stuff running, my computer gets loud and hot. So like me, <laughs> <laughs> let's get started. Uh, what are we talking to? To I, I'm rotted. What are we talking about today? We're talking about a very famous, famous, famous murder from 1947. Yes, today we're talking about Mrs. Miss. She was. Does she, was she ever? She lied about being married. Miss Elizabeth Short. The Black Dahlia. If anybody's familiar with this story... A.K.A. the werewolf murders. Ooh. Or, uh, con- or a continuation of the torso murders that happened in Chicago. Maybe. Maybe. I'll uh, detective my way out of this. That's a theory. But yeah, today we're talking about Elizabeth Short, the most synonymous with popular cold case ever. Ever. Still unsolved. Yeah, because the only other thing you could really say would be the most popular cold cases Jack the Ripper but he was the murderer not the murder murdery victim murdered (laughs) not the murdered so Elizabeth Short let's get started let's dive into where she came from now you see a lot of people are familiar with the Black Dahlia murder they know the name because there's been multiple TV shows there's a death metal band a lot of it was so hard researching for this. Yeah, you Google the Black Dahlia murder and you get a metal band. I got stuck listening to an hour's worth of their music. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the, I found I want to I want to cite my source. I got every all the information I have is from one source. It's from this website. It's blackdahlia.web.unc.edu. Okay, so this lady, let me get you her name. Her name is Morgan Korzik. In 2016, she this was her final project for her honors English with a focus in law course at UNC Chapel Hill. She did so she did the perfect due diligence 
to research this and lay it out perfectly in this amazing website. It has everything categorized between her biography, the crime scenes, investigation suspects, everything. All in one place. I didn't have to look through like 17 different things that she she referenced um, 37 different reference points. Jesus. And I'm glad I didn't have to do that because someone did it for me a couple Thank years you. ago. Thank you. What was her name? Morgan? Uh, something like Morgan Korzik. Well, thank you, Morgan. I'm sure she's already graduated. This was done and it was last updated December 2017. So whoever that lady is, she did an immaculate job in researching and I hope she got a very good grade on her final project. Anything less than an A and I'm breaking that professor's legs. <laughs> Find me his name. It was UNC Chapel Hill. That sounds like too much work. I don't care anymore. You, we could actually detective his name out because it's probably public knowledge. Detective. All right, let's get started. Elizabeth Short. So if you're familiar with uh, the Black Dahlia murder, you would just think of the severed body that was found in Hollywood in the 40s. By a three-year-old. By a three-year-old and her mom. But it's a whole lot more nuanced than that. Yep. All right. So Elizabeth Short was born July 29th, 1924 in Hyde Park, Massachusetts. They didn't stay in Hyde Park very long. Um, her parents, shortly after she was born, moved everyone to Medford, Massachusetts. Right. Which is where she's properly known for him. Her father's name was Cleo Short. He was... A jackass. He he <laughs> made a living designing and building, guess... Mini golf. Mini golf courses he was got, his job. He made money from making putt-putt. Yes. He built putt-putt golf courses. Right. No wonder ours didn't survive. And then, you know. Just like his daughter. <laughs> shut up. Five years later, the Great Depression hits. The father, as Joseph alluded to, was a piece of shit, just fucking left. They had five kids. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember all their names. All I remember is uh, Dorothea. I didn't, I didn't write down all the other kids' names because it wasn't important to the story because uh, Elizabeth's the one that matters. Her right. mother's name was Phoebe Short. She obviously wasn't working... When Cleo, he she was a stay-at-home mom because she had fucking five daughters. He couldn't push a boy out, or he couldn't nut a boy into her, and she pushed it out. Whatever. He proceeded. <laughs> he disappeared by faking his own death. This okay. <laughs> tangent, Tom. We just started the episode. It's time for a tangent. You know where Little River Canyon nice is, Nice right? seven minutes in. Let's go. Nice seven minutes in. It's a perfect time for a tangent. You know where Little River Canyon is? Yep. Okay, my mom took me there when I was a kid. She started, She pointed out a bridge. She's like, see that bridge up there? People used to, like, push their cars off of it. For insurance money? For insurance money. <laughs> oh, wow. And she's like, if you, like, it's all, like, rock now because global warming. Yeah. And uh, uh, she's like, before. I have a really nice story for side stories. We're not going to talk about it right now, though. But she said that, you know, back in her day, you could swim underwater and see, like, car parts under there, yeah. and it was dope. But this is the same that thing. Probably fucking Coos River Monster probably living in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Mr. Uh, Cleo, Mr. Cleo, not the cool Jamaican psychic, but the piece <laughs> of shit that faked his own death to get away from responsibility. I feel your pain. Uh, he uh, parked his car on the side of Charleston Bridge and made it seem like he popped himself, like jumped off. Yeah. And he just, just dipped out. So that left Phoebe, 
to deal with the Great Depression, raising five girls on her own. She worked multiple jobs, but most of the money they did get came from uh, public assistance because I think the government during the Great Depression did try to help. Yeah. But it didn't help very much. She still had to work multiple jobs. Elizabeth, which I, through all of my notes, I call her Beth because I handwrite my notes and I was not writing Elizabeth every time. Lazy. So I wrote Beth, but she was also known as Betty or Beth. She always looked a lot older and acted way more mature than she really was, which you, I could say for the both of us the same way when you're raised and you're an adult at 10 years old, yeah, you learn real fucking fast. You have to act like an adult real fucking fast. And that's the same thing that happened to her. She was, was she the oldest of the daughters or did she have some older than her? I can't remember. No, I don't know. But during the great depression, it was hard to find work. And I'm sure that Elizabeth had to go out and find something to do to help out with the but family. You got to think she also had a lot of health problems. Yeah, she did. What was she had it? asthma and uh, lung problems. She was born with shitty lungs, basically. That's yeah. Uh, today, like the equivalent of cystic fibrosis. Yeah, she had asthma and shitty lungs from birth. So a lot of work, work, work was hard for her to do. But she still, from what people said, she still acted very, very lively. They loved it. So she still was about that life, even though she. Couldn't breathe. But even from a young age, she was obsessed with movies, which were that family. That's the only entertainment they ever got. Yeah. Was they would go to the movies every once in a while, once in a while, because the theater was, it was kind of affordable then, you know, it's not 30, (laughs) kick the fucking table, Joseph. (laughs) I'll slide back in to say that movies back in the 20s, 30s and 40s were like a penny. Yeah, and it's it's not like now where you have to spend like 60 bucks to go watch a movie and get some popcorn. It's it's not the the inflation wasn't as bad. So generally even poor families could go to the theaters. People are probably going to correct me if I'm wrong, but they could go to the theaters cuz it was the only really affordable entertainment for a lot of people. And that was her escape from her shitty ordinary life. We all wanted to escape yeah, we all have a, have an escape. I found mine in movies and comic books. Yep. Mine was video games. But I have some quotes here from people that she went to school with. Because, you know, if she was tar- she was such a target of such like a heinous crime, you got to think, like, why? What do other people think of her? Like, one of her classmates said she was a porcelain china doll with beautiful eyes. Think of them as blue, but sometimes would change depending on what color clothes she wore and became greenish. That's kind of weird. I mean, she she was a good-looking girl. It's like a lot of people said, like, once you saw her, you never forgot what she looked like. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's just one of those girls that always stuck out. You never forgot her. She really does. Like, when you look at her face, she has, like, that model face. But not in that picture, though. That's a mugshot. But still, <laughs> it's like it's like she uh, the way her face is structured. It's like she was born to do. She she had the perfect like cheekbones. Uh, she was cute. She she was a cutie pie. She had you know the frame of her body. She would have been a perfect actress. She in today's time she would be a perfect Instagram model. 
100%. Because actresses, you have to have personality. I don't think she had very much personality. I don't think she did either. Which we'll, we'll talk about when the way she was acting later on. But like Instagram model and being fake on the internet because you look good. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So she she got tired of Massachusetts. She she was constantly watching movies and she was like, I want to go out to California. I want to be an actress. I'm going to be an actress. So when she got older, her dad, who showed up in California finally, was like, okay, you can come stay with me until you find a job. No, 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 no. Like in uh, 1942, Short's mom received a letter from Cleo saying, hey, guess who's back? Oh, yeah, yeah, Guess yeah, who's yeah. not dead? I'm in California, slamming hoes. <laughs> and then Elizabeth... He tried to apologize and say he wanted to come home to her, but she's like, fuck off, dog. We I don't mean, want you. Come on. I mean, if you faked your own death, do you think... Hey, yeah. Let me just write, I'm sorry, I'm alive, what up, doe? <laughs> <laughs> let me get back at that ass. Instant pan- panty girdle, girdle dropper. Girdle drop. I'm pretty sure they had panties in the had 20s. Had 25 minutes to drop that girdle. I'm pretty sure they had panties in the 20s and 30s. I don't think they were wearing steel girdles with locks on them. It's a chastity belt. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> the fuck's a girdle then? A girdle sucks in the fat. Oh. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I don't think they wore... Did they still wear those in the 30s and 40s? I don't I'm know. Think, that's like Renaissance time. Do I look like Ralph Lauren? <laughs> California. We're going to California. Yay. Elizabeth, she had worked jobs before in uh, restaurants, theaters, stuff like that, but she knew she wanted to be a star. She was going to be a star if I'm she went to California. I'm going to be a star, mummy. So in early 1943, she packed her shit and she had to live with old daddy Cleo in Valaho, California. Hey, Papa Cleo, I'm here to be an actress. Well, a couple months later, he kicked her the fuck out. Because she was lazy. She didn't take care. She didn't clean the house at all. And she was constantly out late dating dudes, trying to hook up and whatever she was doing. She was out flirting with boys late at night. And he got tired of the shit. And he was like, bitch, you out. Fend for yourself. So she applied for a job at the post exchange at uh, Camp Cook. I guess it was a military base out there in California. Yeah, it was at, or, or now it's the Vandenberg Air Force Base near Lompoc. Okay, so Air Force, guys. That makes sense whenever, whatever. But the servicemen quickly noticed her because she is attractive. And she won the title of Camp Cutie of Camp Cook in a I'm beauty gonna, contest. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, which, like, I, it makes me think of, like, wet t-shirt contests. Or something like that. Like, you're really going to, at a military base, hold a beauty contest? That's a whole lot of ankle. That's kind of weird, you know what I mean? Hey, baby, let me see them wrists. Let me see your wrists. <laughs> We're acting like this is the 1800s. It wasn't that long ago. Just like 80 to 80 years. How they have the Air Force when all they had was horses? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> we, we had already gone through World War One, Or okay. we're about to. When was World War One? Yeah, we've already gone through World War One. The Polish had horses, yeah, but that's <laughs> yeah. They needed horses to protect the recipe for ice. 
but <laughs> we're going so off track. Elizabeth, she won this title in the beauty contest, but she was so desperate for marriage. She, the way she acted and the way she dated, it made her seem like she was quote unquote easy, but she wasn't at all. She wanted to marry somebody. She didn't want no flings. She wanted a solid permanent relationship that was sealed in marriage. So word spread around that she wasn't easy and nobody fucking cared. And she stayed home because they're all military men. They don't want to get married. They want to fuck. They want to fly paint, fly, fly planes and fuck. That's it. They just want to fly planes and kiss pussies. <laughs> so she ended up with, she became uncomfortable at Camp Cook because I'm sure she was surprised by it shitty servicemen that were always trying to get after her ass. So she left to stay with a girlfriend of hers who lived in Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara, I don't think is, is that far away, but still. And in between this time, she had her only run-in with the law before she died on September 23rd, 1943. She was out with a group of rowdy friends in some restaurant. The owners called the police. Yeah. Simple. They just came in and were like, hey, get out. That was about it. When it says rowdy friends, it just makes me sound, it makes them sound like they were loud. Why would they get arrested? Well, in, like she was booked and fingerprinted, but she wasn't charged for it. Like they must have been doing more than just being loud and shit. They just been breaking shit or something. Yeah. Like, I don't think they were in there, you know, in a mosh pit. I think they were like basic white girls nowadays. Like, woo, this is my song. <laughs> Can I get a kombucha? <laughs> Where they like coyote ugly and on top of the fucking uh, Waffle House uh, bar, <laughs> all two tooth Tammy up there dancing. That's, that's what it sounds like to me. Apparently, the police officer felt sorry for her and arranged for her to go back to Massachusetts, which lasted like no time at all because she just flew right back to California, but to Hollywood. See, when she got sent back to Medford. Um, Hollywood's it, where all the fakes is at. <laughs> Fuck she, Hollywood. When she got shipped up, shipped back up to Medford, hey, she's shipping up to Boston. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, in my head, it was kind of like planned out like a cartoon. Like she hopped off one bus and stepped onto another one right yeah. back to California. <laughs> That's Fuck. what I thought about too. It was like, it's not long before she returned. I was like, yeah, she probably wasn't there long at all. Oh, look, Medford, fuck this shit. And this time she went to Hollywood, L.A., Hollywood and L.A., so things ramp up a lot. You know, that's that's where you go to become an actress. Hey, so she didn't go to Hollywood after Medford. Yeah, she returned to California and went to Hollywood. No, she went to Florida. That was later. Oh. Your timing's off. Yeah. Okay, so she goes to Hollywood. She went to Hollywood, so she was in L.A. She met a pilot. Named Lieutenant Gordon Fickling. <laughs> and she fell in love. He was the type of man she had been searching for and quickly made plans to marry him. However, her plans were halted when he was shipped off to Europe. Kind of sucks when that happens, doesn't it? That's why you don't fuck with military men. Well, off to the next flyboy. Yep, that's exactly what happened. She took a few modeling gigs, but she still felt discouraged with her career. So, this is where she went to Miami. She went back. At first, she went back to Medford to spend the holidays with her family. 
because this was right around December. And then instead of going back to California, she went to Miami to live with some relatives. And this is where she began dating again. Only servicemen, marriage still on her mind, and she, guess what? What? She fell in love with another fucking flogging boy. Another fly boy. A major. Major Matt Gordon. He promised to marry her after he was sent to India. But guess what happened? He got deployed. He got killed. Oh, okay. Same thing. In action, leaving her heartbroken again. Oh. And this is where... I start to realize how, what kind of person she was really how, what kind of person she was because after he died, she had this period of mourning where she told everyone that they were actually married and she had a stillborn baby with him. She had a baby that died at childbirth and they had gotten married, which neither one were true confirmed. She also told friends that Gordon had written to propose marriage while he was recovering from injuries from a plane crash in India. Yeah, he promised her he was going to marry her when she got he got back from India, but he died in India, so he didn't get to marry her. Can you imagine that? Like, she accepted it, and then he died in that second crash, August 10th, 1945. She's just like, I do. Okay, babe, I'll be back. Yeah, it's, that's got to suck. Okay, honestly, do you think these dudes are offing themselves? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. The first one didn't die. He just got shipped off to Europe and never showed back up. I would say the same he thing. He comes back later, though. So oh. <laughs> he hey. comes back later. Hey, you won't get married? No, I'm going to go to Europe. But yeah, it, it kind of does bother me that she started saying all that bullshit. Like, it really kind of shows. I don't know if it's just that was her way of grieving. I guess it is. Everybody grieves differently. Yeah. But. You mean don't say that you had a baby that died in childbirth? Don't do that shit. That's don't lie so about that fucking shit. Shady. Don't lie about the shit. God, you're a piece of shit if you do that. But she started recovering from her mourning, so she wanted to return to her old life in Hollywood, California. Huzzah! So she started contacting her old Hollywood friends. One of which was the boyfriend from before, Gordon Fickling. <laughs> she saw him as a possible replacement for her recently dead, soon-to-be husband. So she began writing him and met up with him in Chicago when he was in town for a few days. And obviously, she fell fucking head over heels in love with him again and agreed to join him in Long Beach. She was taking her talents to Long Beach. (laughs) (laughs) Before she went to California to continue. Bruh, she has the same story as LeBron. Oh my god, she does. <laughs> no, dead ass. <laughs> Almost. She went to Chicago for a few days, took her talents to Long Beach, and then went to California. Confirmed. Only thing difference is Chicago and Cleveland. That's the only difference. Confirmed. LeBron killed <laughs> Elizabeth Short. <laughs> he literally went from Cleveland, took his talents. Well, South Beach, not Long Beach, but whatever. I'm retarded. Sorry. One of the beaches. It was... Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm making myself laugh. I hate myself. All right. She agreed to join him in Long Beach before she moved back to Cali to pursue her dream of being in the movies. Okay. She left L.A. on December 8th, 1946 to take a bus to San Diego. Before she left, she had been worried about something. Hmm. She had been staying with Mark Hansen, which is a very, very influential figure. In this whole entire story. So remember that. Who he had said he said this when he was questioned 
uh, a couple years later by the lead investigator. And the lead investigator, Frank, was like, while she was living at those apartments, she came to your house and got mail. And he said, I didn't see her, but she was sitting there one night when I came home with Ann about 536 o'clock, sitting and crying and saying she had to get out of there. She was crying about being scared. One thing and another. I don't know. So apparently, and this was December 8th, 1946. She was worried about something. She didn't. She died about a month later. Yeah, so there's a clue. Yeah. She, she was very worried that someone or some, maybe someone was after her, something was after her, I don't know. But she was very worried nearly a month, I think almost exactly a month before she died. Uh, but that's almost. why she was in San Diego, okay? So while she was in San Diego, she befriended this young lady named Dorothy French, Okay. She worked at the Aztec Theater, and she found Elizabeth sleeping in one of the seats after an evening show because she had nowhere to stay. She went out to California with, to Hollywood with nowhere to stay, with no money, no job, and was just going to try to make it work as an actress. And that's what she told her. She told Dorothy, I want to be an actress, but there was actor strikes going on at the time, so it was really, really difficult. So Dorothy felt sorry for her and offered her a place to stay at her mother's house for a few days. She ended up staying there like a month. Kind of like what I did to Sam. Yeah. I told Sam I was going to stay at his house for a week or two, and I stayed there for like four years. I've been there for a year. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever I first moved in with him in high school, I was like, yeah, we just need like a place to stay for like two weeks. And she was like, okay. His mom was like, yeah, that's fine. And uh, I just never left. So... That's, that's what she was doing for a while. She was living with the French family, her friend Dorothy. Uh, she did very little housework, with pit, which pissed them off. And she continued her late night partying and gallivanting around, dating boys and stuff. Dilly dallying. And that's where another man in the story, there's a lot of men in the story that she enamored with. Fucked. Maybe. I don't know if she fucked all of them. I don't know if she was like that. But this was a man named Robert Red Manley. He was a salesman from L.A. who had a pregnant wife at home. He did admit he was very attracted to Elizabeth, yet he claimed that he never put his penis inside her. Hmm. So I don't know. He said he never slept with her, but maybe a little cunnilingus or something, you know what I mean? Maybe. I I don't know. Bush. He was cheating on his wife either way because he was spending more time with Elizabeth than his pregnant wife at home. Listen here, Robert Red Manley. I don't know. It's kind of If you're listening, if you're still alive. He's not. If you're listening, I'm coming for you. We do talk about ghosts all the time. I'm coming for you, Red. (laughs) You, me, this Sunday in the cage. But the two of them, they they saw each other on and off for a few weeks, and she had asked him for a ride back to Hollywood one day. This was on January 8th, 1947. He agreed. He picked her up from Dorothy's mom's house. He paid for her hotel room for the night, and they went to a party. When the two of them returned, he claims that he slept on the bed and she slept in a chair, which is a dickhead thing That's to do. That's fucking weird. But they both slept on the bed. Don't fucking lie. I mean, they were probably drunk. I've passed out in weird places when drunk before. But like, 
you're supposed to let her sleep on the bed. It's like kind of complicated. Yeah, what you're supposed to do as a man and a gentleman, if you're both fucking drunk. Listen to Lil Dicky. Look, listen to Lil Bazzy over here. (laughs) If you go out with a girl and y'all both get drunk, y'all go back to the house, hotel room, trailer, tent, TP, I don't care. Do not, first of all, do not take advantage of a drunk girl. That's illegal. It's, she cannot consent. Even if she says yes, it, technically she cannot if consent. She if she is under the influence, under she the cannot influence. consent to anything. Number two, you help her take her shoes off. and You, you lay don't wear shoe prints on your bed. You lay her down in the bed. You cover her up. You put some aspirin beside the bed and some water. And you kiss her on the forehead and you fucking leave. Just at least just fucking sleep on the floor, dog. Don't take advantage of drunk women. Sleep at the end of the bed like the good boy you are. <laughs> Little dog bitch. Anyway, she was sleeping in the chair, he was sleeping on the bed. He had an appointment that morning of January 9th. So he left the hotel to go to his appointment. He sold shit. I don't know what kind of salesman he was, but he was a salesman. Probably vacuums. He oh, probably probably some bullshit, but dicks. Mm. He returned to the hotel to pick her up around noon. She told him she was returning to Massachusetts, but first she needed to meet her sister. I don't know why this says married when, sister. Why would you why would you specify married sister? Also, why would she specify married sister and when the fuck did her sister get to California? I don't know. I don't know. Why didn't she just go stay with her fucking sister? Yeah, I know, right? But apparently her sister was at the Biltmore Hotel in Hollywood, so she said I got to go meet her first. Maybe she asked her to come get her. I don't know. He didn't want to stick around because he had an appointment at 6.30 to sell another fucking floor cleaner. So he didn't wait for her sister to arrive. When he last saw her, she was making phone calls in the hotel lobby. So the last people to see her alive was Red and the hotel employees. Okay, but was her sister one of those people? We don't know. We don't know if she ever met her sister or not. No one knows. So, because as far as the LAPD could tell, the last the last person to see her was her killer after January 9th, 1947. The only person to see her after that date was her killer. And she was missing for six days from that hotel before her body was found in the vacant lot on the morning of January 15th, 1947. January 15th, 1947 was a cold, dreary morning for Betty Bersinger and her three-year-old daughter. They, she, they were living off of Norton Avenue, which is the Limit Park section of the city. Just to give you, it's about, it's probably two or three blocks from where she was found. Right. And she was headed to a shoe repair shop and she had her daughter in tow. As the two of them walked up the street and approached the corner of Norton and 39th, they passed many vacant lots bordering the sidewalks. Yeah, World War II, World War II had struck at this time, you know, because this was closing the end of it. It was, what, 44 to 49 or something, something like that. Like, in World War II, it, development was starting back. It only, yeah, it ended in 46-ish. 45, 46 is when it ended. It was 41 to 45. See, with these vacant lots is what they were doing. They were clearing them out and putting up these little houses for returning vets from the yeah, war. Because they generally, they were they were re-infrastructing the city. There was a lot of shitty buildings they didn't want to put these vets in, especially after World War II, after we just, you know, fucked Nazis. 
they wanted to, I guess, help take care of them, uh, which they don't do anymore. But the mm. the the construction was very slow to start up again, so there was a lot of creepy abandoned lots. Yeah, imagine this: which, if, if if you're walking somewhere, like if you're if you're at Walmart past like eleven, and you're walking to your car, and how empty and eerie the parking lot feels. No. That's what Betty, imagine that being your whole city. Yeah, that was that was Betty that morning. Yeah, she was very creeped out anyway, not to mention what she was going to find. While Betty was uh, minding her own damn business, she walked along the sidewalk and she noticed something white among the weeds. She didn't think much of it at first, as many people would just throw trash into these vacant lots because I do on my route, honestly, like if I have an empty can... Fucking woods. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. There's still a bag of trash on one part of my route and still there like six months later. Jesus Christ. At, at City of Birmingham. At first, it. she glanced at the object and meh, maybe it's a store mannequin. It seemed something odd to just throw in a vacant lot. I, side note, I almost got a mannequin the other day because someone had belt threw it out, but I didn't have room in my truck. God, that would look great in here. That. People do throw out mannequins. You do deliver to a lot of shops. Ask them if they're about to get rid of one. Let me know. I'll come up there and get it. Because it looked great in here. Spooky. Anyways, uh, Betty... Uh, she kept on walking. Yeah, it, it was stranger that the mannequin had been separated into two halves. and Right at pretty much the waist is where yeah, I was cut. Right, right on the belt line, really. Yeah. Um, Betty continued to walk further, yet something drew her attention back to the mannequin. It's curiosity. Yeah. I would do the same thing. Hell yeah, I would too. Because that's on my bucket list. It's like when we when we worked at Walmart and we walked saw, by that trash can and we saw a fucking a we saw a head full of fucking hair in it. And we were both like, bruh. He screamed so loud. I was like, is this a fucking head? And Joseph was like, watch fucking look. Yeah, just so grab I, it. I pulled it out by the hair. <laughs> Luckily, it was a mannequin head from the hair shop. But curiosity does get to you like that. It does. And that's on my bucket list. To find a body? To find a body. Yeah. I've came very close. We're weird people. Yeah. Um, she, uh, when she got close enough to it, she realized that that mannequin was not a mannequin at all. <laughs> it was a woman severed in half. Betty screamed and led her daughter away from the gruesome sight. She quickly rushed to a nearby house. It says house. led her daughter away. She picked that kid up and fucking ran. Yeah. She fled to a nearby house and called the police. So we have officers Frank Perkins and Will Fitzgerald were the first to arrive at the scene because I'm sure they heard dead bodies, so they got there pretty quickly. I'm sure they care a little bit. Maybe. Well, actually, there was this, uh, if I recall correctly, that it wasn't really all that rushed out. It says within minutes. Maybe they got there Maybe I'm quick. thinking of another case. You might be thinking of another case. Uh but detective minds never stop. Because you got to think, this is in broad daylight. Yeah. In the morning when they notice it. When they know, when they noticed that is a woman who was cut in half, they were they confirmed her story, make sure she wasn't bullshitting, and immediately called for backup. And that's when more people arrive. They get the crime scene people in there. Were there crimes? Yeah, there was crime scene people back there. Yeah, kind of. And then you have the crowds coming up and saying, ooh, what's that? So this is where the woman was laying on her back, arms over her shoulders, and her legs were spread eagle. 
So everyone can see all of her bits. It says, in a twisted display of seductiveness. Yes. Whoever placed her there wanted everything of her to see. Because I looked at the pictures, and you can see how it's posed. Yeah. Very graphic pictures, by the way. That's a clue to me, the way she was posed. Like, somebody is... Okay, this, this is not victim shaming. This is detective mind going again. Her killer probably laid her out like that to show the world the whore that she is. Yeah, it's kind of the that's it's kind of the way that a lot of uh prostitute killers and what are they called? Like what they consider themselves like vengeance justice killers or whatever. Yeah. They they feel like they're doing the world a justice by getting rid of these filthy whores off the planet in their own words. Respect sex workers. Yeah. So there were cuts and abrasions all over her body and her mouth had been sliced from ear to ear. Also called a Glasgow smile. Or a Cheshire smile. Or a Chelsea grin. Yes. So investigators believe she was tied down and tortured due to the rope marks. She had rope marks on her wrist, ankles, and neck. And her body had been cleanly sliced in half just above her waist. And here's where shit gets real. There was absolutely no blood present on her body, in her body, around the grass beneath her. Now, see, the- she, she was killed somewhere else and completely drained of blood like a deer. Yeah, see, this is the same thing with, with the West Memphis 3 case back in 93, 94, in the 90s, is when they found the first body of one of the three children... People were just like, boom, right to the Robin Hood Hills. Yeah. And they're trampling shit. And this also happened here in 1947 at the scene of the Black Dahlia murder because people were just walking up, walking up to the body, looking at it, walking away and stepping on shit. Yeah, so you, this is where you have the LAPD. They obviously have investigated homicides. But this, with how crazy this one was, it was top priority. So, Captain John Dunahoe, I swear that's how it's pronounced, assigned two senior detectives, Detective Sergeant Harry Hansen and Detective Finnis Brown. By the time they received their orders and arrived to the scene, news had already spread, and the crime scene was covered in reporters, photographers, curious onlookers, and the detectives were pissed because no one was doing shit. Civilians were walking all over the crime scene. There was no yellow tape. The, some Half of the officers didn't know what they were dealing with. So they were just trampling evidence, which luckily I think no evidence was really destroyed because of this, because whoever the killer was didn't leave shit, didn't mess up. But still, it's it's such a problem that now people understand but back yeah. then, they didn't get how DNA evidence wasn't really a thing. At all, no. It, it wasn't until like the 80s, 90s. Uh-uh. No, it was like... The father of DNA uh, helps... I, we're actually going to talk about the story one day. Okay. But it was like late, it was like mid to late 90s. Yeah. Uh, here, uh, a quote from Detective Lieutenant Jesse Haskins describes the condition of the body when he first arrives. Yeah, he was one of the first to arrive. The body was lying with the head towards the north, the feet towards the south. The left leg was five inches west of the sidewalk. The body was lying face up, and the severed part was jogged over about ten inches. 
the upper half of the, half of the body from the lower half. There was a tire track right up against the curbing, and there was what appeared to be a possible bloody heel mark in this tire mark. And on the curbing, which is very low, and there was one spot of blood, and there was an empty paper cement sack lying in the driveway, and it also had a spot of blood on it. It had been brought there from some other location. The body was clean and appeared to be washed. You'll see a lot of killers doing this with bodies or their victims by doing what they need to do, like their, their torture and kill, and then they'll wash the body and redress it. Yeah. Because they feel like it's some mentality in the psychology or the psyche of a killer that they need to take care of the victim. But at the same, maybe, but this, I, I think this is different. I don't think it's that he was trying to take care of her. I think that it was, it wasn't someone that was a psychopath, more sociopath. I think it, it's more of someone that knows that they need to make sure they can get away with it and they leave nothing behind. But this, because you have to remember even this early in serial murders, these people, a lot of these killer understood how to get away with what they were doing. Even though DNA evidence wasn't a big thing or anything, they still knew that. My question is, what was he doing with the blood? Yeah. Uh, that's a big question. For there, me. There's a huge, huge chunk of time missing from this girl's life. Six days. Six days. Yeah. Six days. Uh, she was last seen on the eighth. She was found on the 15th. So really seven days. Yeah, and there's no telling when she was picked up. There's no telling when she was murdered. Well, you can tell by the condition of the body of how long the body has been there. Yeah. Um, She was literally found the morning she was dumped there. Because you have to understand, if you look at these pictures, hold on, let me look at the pictures real quick and die. Uh, You can keep saying what you were going to say. Like, with the positioning of the legs... You know, they literally they, spread eagle. Yeah, they they do look spread. If you look at one picture like the one you're looking at, the uncensored one right now, which is very graphic. So disclaimer, if you like, want to look it up, it's yeah. terrible. I'm used to this shit. Some okay, are not. You, this this body was put. Okay, you have your main street. You got six inches of grass. You have a sidewalk, and then you have the vacant lot. So the the body is literally two foot off of the road. And it's, I'm telling you, when I, when I say she is right next to the sidewalk, she is right next to it. Her left leg, her left foot is literally two inches from the sidewalk. This person, this, this, this young lady was put there to make sure she was found in the way she was found. It's like she was on display, like, hey, look what I did. But the way the legs are out. You can tell in two different pictures, like the first crime scene picture, that they're wider out. But when she's covered with the blanket, it seems like they were closed a little bit. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense to me because it was the early morning. It was January. Even though it is California, it had to be a little bit cold out there. 60s, if you're lucky. Yeah, but rigor mortis is set in. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking that when she was... She might have been out there a lot longer then. Maybe. Maybe, uh, maybe like middle of the night. Is what rigor mortis is six hours, somewhat depending, um, depending on the the condition of the muscles, and the climate or environment. You know she ain't had no muscle. Uh uh-uh. uh Um, see, 
thick forearms. What I'm thinking is Joseph made a jerk off motion, by the way. That's why I said that. <laughs> Anyways, the way her legs are, I'm thinking Detective Basil is on the case. We haven't even got to the theory part and you're already throwing <laughs> theories. Here's another theory. Uh, nerves. Okay. Nerves here. Yeah. Okay, around your waist, you got nerves. Yeah. Um, you have nerves in your entire body. Was she alive when she was severed? No. Okay, good. They know for sure the mortician says she was not. So the blunt force trauma was probably what... She, she, I'll go through her death certificate in a minute. Okay. Well, even though if you're, you're already dead, you sever a nerve, you still have electricity running through your nervous system after death. It's called, it, it's, there's a term for it. The energy that you dispel after you pass away, organ, gorgon. I can't remember. Organ. Organ energy. Um, fun fact, you lose six ounces of weight after you die. Nice. Um, what I'm thinking is when she was severed, the twitching from the legs may have positioned it and then they just set from rigor mortis. No, I think that she was displayed the way she was displayed for a reason. And also the other theory is he just dropped her. He unraveled her from whatever the fuck she was in. And it was just like a crack. Yeah. She, she, I feel like she had been probably dead. There's probably no more rigor mortis. She was probably all loosey goosey. Let's get back on track, Joseph. Sorry, detective. Okay. So they they found the when they found her body, they they while they were investigating the crime scene, they transported her to the morgue, and LAPD wanted to identify her as quick as possible. So they lifted her front prints, and they need to send them to the FBI headquarters in Washington D.C. However, in D.C. there was very severe winter storms at the time that would delay it up to a week, which was far too long for them because that's that's way too much time to waste in a homicide investigation yeah because the first 48 oh yeah so let's say the first 48 is the most it's crucial so this man his name is warden woolard he's a managing editor of the herald express which apparently is a really big newspaper at the time huge newspaper he was like okay we'll help the lapd out they just bought a new technology called a sound photo machine. Did you know what that was before you heard me say that? Uh, I've heard it before. I th- it's like the precursor to CODIS. It's a fax machine. Yeah. <laughs> a sound photo machine is a fax machine. Why oh. you have to say sound photo, I don't know. Because nobody figured out, oh, fax. Yeah. So he, was, he believed that he could use the fax machine to send the fingerprints over to the FBI. So they're like, okay. LAPD was was like, okay, fuck it. Just find out who it is. So they sent them the first time. They couldn't read shit because I don't know why. So they were like, okay, reverse the prints, make them negatives, and they blew them up to eight by tens. That's smart. So a whole sheet of paper, basically, per print. And they sent them off to the FBI, and this time... They can clearly read them. <laughs> the way this is worded made the FBI agent sound so fucking dumb. They were just like, so the, they they had to make it large enough for the FBI agents to clearly read. <clears throat> they're specialists. They're not third graders. Pop quiz. What does fax 
mean? I don't know. Facsimile. <laughs> Finger guns. The FBI, <laughs> the FBI was able to identify the victim as 22-year-old Elizabeth Short. And as far as they knew, the last place she was, the last place she resided was Santa Barbara. And the last place she worked was at Camp Cook. The, which had been a couple years. Which, um, you know, the underage drinking charge she got was unfortunate. But it really helped out. Yeah, if, if she would not have gotten hit at that restaurant, they would have had no clue who she was. This, this would be a Jane Doe from hell. Yeah, she would be a Jane Doe for... Well, her family probably could have recognized her. Well, the way she was bouncing from city to city to city. Yeah, they, it would be very hard. But she did call her sister. Because you got to think, yeah. the last thing she had on record was her living at Santa Barbara and working at Camp Cook. Was That was like right when she first moved to California with her dad. In September of 46. She would have not have been a Jane Doe because her married sister was at the same hotel and she was using the phone. She called somebody, probably said, I'm going here. She never showed they up. They got no caller ID in 47. Well, hey, it's Elizabeth. I'm going here. If she's told yeah. her. But all right. The coroner's report. Well, you were alluding to earlier that I'll explain now. The coroner was examining the body. And it, it revealed, the autopsy results revealed multiple lacerations to the face and the head. There was no sperm present on the body because it had been washed clean inside and out. There were numerous cuts in a crisscross pattern above her pubic area. And her pubic hair had been removed by hand. Most of the damage seemed to have been post-mortem, including the severage of the victim's body at her waist. And the official cause of death was hemorrhage and shock due to the concussion of the brain and lacerations of the face. Okay, so with hemorrhage and shock, uh, I... She got the shit beat out of her. I'm deducing that she was alive when she got the grin. Mm, no, he he does he did state that most of uh, the damage done to her was done post-mortem, but didn't say anything about the smile. I I don't know. That kind of leads you to think they were from whoever the killer was from the UK. Or Europe. Like someone just got back from. Yeah, because the Glasgow smile or the Chelsea grin or whatever, it at this time, the only reason people knew about it was because of gangs in Europe. That's why it was called the Chelsea grin. There's a gang in Chelsea that was they made it popular but maybe maybe she did die from that i don't know because it was hemorrhage and shock due to concussion of the brain and lacerations of the face a cut is a laceration right yeah so maybe that is what killed her maybe they did do it while she was alive crazy there there had to be some torture oh yeah she was bound by yeah she was bound for days is what they said from the rope marks so, the investigation begins. The Herald Express, the newspaper I was talking about earlier, apparently they had breaking information on the case. The, and the LHBD had identified the victim. However, their relationship got a little rocky. William Randolph Hearst, which is the owner of the Herald Express, was real, he was rich as shit, and he had a lot of good reporters. And he was willing to share this crucial information to the LAPD for a price. 
he proposed that the Herald Express would continue investigating clues and would be granted exclusives, and the LAPD would have access to all of their information as long as they got exclusive to whatever happened. Yeah, they were the first to they get the, the first fucking story. Yes, and it's LAPD Captain Donahoe was not especially happy about it, but he needed help. Yeah, I mean, With a case like this, you need everything you can get. He a fucking choice. So Wayne Sutton, which is a man that worked at Heldon Express, was assigned to locate Phoebe. Elizabeth's mother. So, he quickly found her out in uh, Medford and was instructed to give her the news of her daughter's death. Well, he pulled a little trickaroo on her. The old Kentucky bait and switch. He knew he he had to get information out of her first, whatever he could get. And if he would call her and led with, hey, your daughter's dead, she would be freaking the fuck out and wouldn't tell her shit. So, he lied and said that she had won a beauty contest in Los Angeles, which technically she did, but not in this specific case. And Phoebe loved talking about her beautiful daughter and told Sutton everything he knew. Everything she knew, I mean. Everything, every question that he asked, she answered it. But once he got all his information, Sutton's boss was like, hey, you still gotta tell her that she's dead. Hey, your daughter won a beauty contest, yay, and she's dead, Oh. And whenever he finally came out and told her, she freaked the fuck out. She would not believe him at all. The LAPD had to contact the local Medford police and the local police had to go to her house and tell her, hey, he ain't lying, dude. She is actually dead. We found her. I don't know if they went into detail but they did describe that she is actually dead. No, you never go into detail with a victim's family unless you are at station. Okay. Yeah. They had to send local cops there to tell her in person the story before she would believe it. I understand that. And they they kept looking for different tips and clues and stuff. Uh, The Herald Express opened up phone lines, uh, all that kind of stuff. And... They kept getting shitty reports and tips, anonymous, you know, as usual. People looking for reward money or some shit. They did get lucky. They got one anonymous caller that told reporters that she used to keep photos of of herself and her friends in a trunk. And that trunk had gone missing when she was coming from Chicago to L.A. with an old ex-boyfriend of hers. So... Herald Express was on it. They went to relocate it, and they found it at a Greyhound station in downtown L.A. Now, they have photos of her, photos of herself, her friends, her lovers, and they can finally illustrate her story, which sells more newspapers, granted, but also does help the case also. They They get these pictures that they can compare to people they've probably arrested or people they know and can connect two and two together to try to figure out who knew her last. So on January 17th, 1947, the first picture of Elizabeth Short was appeared on the front page of the Herald Express and the paper had referred to her as the Black Dahlia, a name that would stick almost 70 years later. And that's where we're going to end today. Yeah, and we're going to pick up next week on part two of the Black Dahlia murder. We're going to finish this out next week. Because this is a lot. 
the suspects, the theories, uh, some really cool thing about a video game. Ba-boom. Yeah. That is it for part one of the Black Dahlia. We kind of just wanted to go over her life, her death, and where it all starts with the investigation. And next week, we're going to try and solve this murder. But while you're waiting, at least Joseph's going to tell you what happened. I'm going to tell you what happened, and I have made a promise that I am not going to try to connect this to John Benet Ramsey. Who'd you promise that to? You. <laughs> I don't care. It's your thing, man. We'll figure it out next time. But while you're waiting on part two, you could always catch up on episodes that you've missed. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, iTunes. Yeah, if you listen to a podcast, if you listen to anything on any form of anything, we're, we're on literally everything, I think. We truly are. I could just listen to it myself and scream at you from down the hall. Yeah, we we do have a second kind of show we do on the Torn page. This is our deep dives where we do look into longer subject matters that take more research and most of the time more episodes to do like this one that's going to be two parts. We also do the Sunday morning shit show that we record every Sunday morning and try to upload every Sunday if time permits. And it's just us sitting down, chilling, talking about random news stories, um, things that have happened in our lives. It's not going to, it's not like recent events. Bigfoot. It's just going to be whatever we feel like talking about. And it's generally, it's fun. Uh, the past two episodes, we've talked about things that have upset us a lot that are mainly political, but I enjoy it because we we do this to put our thoughts out into the world about what we're interested in, and if we're interested in it, we're going to talk about it. People just like to see me get fucking mad. Yeah, it makes for good content, I guess, but... Angry Joseph. The Sunday Morning Shit Show is completely different than what we do here. When it comes to the content, it's going to be uh, a random article we're going to talk about. Like last week, we talked about the shitty people in South Carolina. Fuckers. And it's just, it's going to be random things like that. But I do appreciate everybody listening. I appreciate everybody listening. And I have a shout out. Shout out. I want to shout out to Devin up in Michigan. What's up, buddy? Thank you for listening. Yup. Yep. It's, uh, I've, I've shout out James before. Yeah, the other, other homie from Michigan. He's the one that is pretty much setting this infection through Michigan. Yeah. His, for anyone that doesn't know, his girlfriend's family's from Michigan. So they have been very, very loyal, really. Yeah. Listening to everything we've put out and... Saying they truly enjoy it and everything. Yeah, so. more people in Michigan than our home state, you fucking assholes. Yeah, shout, shout out to everybody. Everybody that's listening. Shout the, out. The one motherfucker out in the boot. Yeah, whoever you are in Italy, come on, man. Hit us up. Are you using a VPN or are you actually in Italy? And our homie in Brazil. Yep, we got, we got three dogs in Canada. 
Oh, we got three in Canada. Three three listens in Canada. I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's three different homies, if it's one homie listening to everything. I don't know. But show three in Canada, I fuck with that. Three in Canada, it's the trailer park, boys. It has to be. <laughs> has to be. <laughs> yeah, I really do appreciate everyone listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter. It's at the Torn Page Pod. Same thing on Instagram. We're going to start posting stuff on Instagram as well. And I do want to plug the Patreon. It is patreon.com slash the torn page. I want to upgrade the audio equipment we have. And the only way I'm going to be able to do that without waiting forever is through y'all helping us. So if anybody would like to help with us increasing the quality of this podcast, we can get new mics so I can get a mixer so I can make this shit sound delectable i can get if i get if i do that i can get joseph to do asmr that's me eating graham crackers (laughs) and with the patreon it is not like built out where there's different tiers and bonus content and stuff like that uh i'm not really focused on doing that right now it's just something that's there for if anyone wants to support us not i'm not asking for it i do want to increase the quality of this podcast and have better equipment for us to use. Yeah. Not only does it benefit us, it benefits you as a user for better quality in the podcast because we've had some complaints that the audio is too low. We've had complaints that the audio is too high. If we have a mixer, we could fix that problem. Yeah. Cause there's problems with us recording straight through a laptop is you can't adjust every single one by themselves it's it's just it's a lot i do the best what i can with what i got but i do want to upgrade the equipment we have so and i do want to give a challenge to the listeners if you do do if if you donate to the patreon and if you guess my lucky number or my favorite number you will receive a prize it's just no dick pics please okay well never mind now i'm playing if you find if you figure out my favorite number in a patreon donation you know everybody gets the prize (laughs) everybody gets it everybody getting feet pics and they are sweaty because we just got off work about two hours ago and he's been standing the whole time standing the whole fucking time yeah that's that's going to be it. We're done. We're rambling. But that that's it. Dab on them. Did we forget anything? Uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Joseph Basil. And I am at LasersGG. Spay and neuter your pets. Don't be racist. Don't be homophobic. Love everyone. Hug somebody today. Tell somebody they're beautiful. And vaccinate your children. Pet a dog. <laughs>